strangers from distant lands, friends of old, welcome back to Balrogs and Blasters, fantasy, sci-fi, and everything in between. My name is Sam, and I'm sorry to say that it's not quite Balrogs and Blasters today. It's a little bit quieter, a little bit, a little bit lonelier. And that's because my co-host Patrick is not here with us today. Patrick, unfortunately, has been under the weather, so we weren't able to do an honest-to-goodness episode for you guys this week. So we're putting out a mini-episode, and all going well, it'll be Sam and Patrick together again from next week onward forever. No breaks. But for right now, it's just me, a half of the whole, just Balrogs, or just Blasters, or half of each. Balblah. See, if Patrick was here, he would have put a stop to this kind of nonsense already. Please get back here, Patrick. I cannot be left on my own like this to do these things. So what are we going to talk about this week? We're going to go through the news. I'm talking trailers for Aquaman and the creator. We're going to be talking about One Piece news. We're going to be talking about cyberpunk news. We're going to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer news. We're going to be talking about it all. We won't do a feature topic like we normally do, but we will cover how I'm getting on with the fantasy series I'm reading at the moment. And if we have time, we may just talk about one of my favorite fantasy movies to finish off the episode. So without further ado, let's get into the news for this week. First thing that's up, we found out that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is going to have a sequel series coming out, not on TV, but on Audible. So the plan is that there is going to be a new original story that is going to be set 10 years after the original show's finale. Apparently, there's going to be a load of people coming back. So Amber Benson, who was Tara in the original show, Anthony, Gi- Anthony Giles, Anthony Head as Giles, Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia, Juliet Landau as Drusilla, James Charles Leary as Clem, Danny Strong as Jonathan, Emma Caulfield Ford as Anya, and James Masters coming back as Spike. So there's no sign at the moment of Sarah Michelle Gellar. There's no mention of her being involved in the program. So it's not clear if it's actually going to be a Buffy the Vampire Slayer story in name only, and it's going to be maybe a new Slayer that's coming in, or if it's going to be someone else who's going to be voicing Buffy. So this isn't the first time that they've brought Buffy the Vampire Slayer back after the original series. Obviously, when there was the Angel TV series as well, but also there was a Dark Horse comic series that came out. But the way that they seem to be positioning this is that this is the first canon continuation of the show, um, not including Angel, I suppose, but that all the Dark Horse comics would be considered to be non-canon, I suppose. Uh, so this is going to be the first continuation of the show since it finished two decades ago at this point which is crazy when you think about it uh so amber benson who we already mentioned was coming back as tara she is uh, apparently writing the show or she has written the show and she wrote it with christopher golden who has already written a bunch of buffy the vampire slayer books so here's a guy who is clearly already very familiar with the subject matter as well as amber benson who was in the show so i'm a fan of this particularly i'm a big fan of bringing back a popular franchise but in a different sort of way without the hassle of you know trying to recreate the original series exactly as it was in the same format and having to avoid like those direct comparisons like a good example would be there were trailers coming out this week for the new Frasier tv series and how it's trying to make it look exactly as it was but obviously it's not and the first thing you do is just make those direct comparisons between the two but with this you're taking it in completely a new direction you're changing the story you're not bringing back everyone but you can still continue it in a really nice fulfilling way without having that direct comparison so i am all 
over this thing so it's going to be coming out on audible october 12th just in time for halloween so it's definitely one i'm going to be looking at sticking with the spooky theme we found out that the brightburn sequel a sequel that i actually didn't realize was happening is still happening so it's a weird situation to be in i didn't know this thing was going to happen but it turns out not only was it going to happen but it is still definitely going to happen i know that with the with the post credit scene of the original brightburn there was this idea that there was going to be this evil justice league situation and they were going to be bringing back brightburn himself and all these other characters but then it was i just assumed that that was kind of a nice little nod and they never thought the sequel was necessarily going to happen but it looks like it definitely is the production company h collective they've listed brightburn 2 as the one of the projects that they're going to be working on presumably james gunn isn't going to be in the mix with this one even though he was involved writing the original i don't know if they'll bring the original director back what i do hope is that they do end up bringing michael rooker back into the fold because he definitely made that film a lot of fun and it would be really good to bring him back and, and continue that on for those who aren't as familiar with this one, Brightburn was a film that came out in the 2010s and it was almost a, an anti-Superman story where it was nearly an alternate reality where it was showing what would happen if this kid landed on a farm and he had these superpowers but maybe he wasn't the nicest guy in the world and maybe he was a little bit messed up for reasons that I won't go into in case you haven't watched the film but uh a little bit of good news as well we got this week for anyone who enjoyed the one piece tv show that dropped on netflix a couple of weeks ago it is definitely getting a season two so netflix forwarded it they're talking to the original creator and it looks like everything is moving forward based on what's been a pretty positive response uh, to this show uh, from audiences over the last couple of weeks now we're going to be probably talking about our thoughts on one piece next week and how it compares to other western anime adaptations so won't go too much into my feelings on this one before next week but it is a good thing to see like you know we saw that they brought out cowboy bebop last time around and it didn't really work out and there wasn't a second series but with this one they clearly had a lot of investment and a lot of vested interest in making it work apparently it costs 17 million or so per episode which i think for netflix is their second most expensive show after stranger things so there was clearly a feeling that this was going to go well and it seems like it has so hopefully we're going to be hearing more about that very soon now let's get down to the trailers that came out this week we got a final trailer for the creator which is the new movie coming out from director gareth edwards who directed uh, rogue one as well as the first godzilla movie uh, it's a very nolan-esque trailer it's really atmospheric it's not super long but it's it's got a lot of new imagery in it there's not a lot new about the story or any kind of new dialogue but it's it's definitely just giving a giving a sense of the the atmosphere and the scope of the movie um i'm super excited about this movie i love gareth edwards i love the stuff he does everyone talks about his ability to make scale look really realistic and make big things look really big and give them weight and stature so it's going to be great to see how he how he manages that with this with this movie and already looking at the trailer it seems like he's definitely bringing that sense of scale back in uh, he's going full sci-fi epic which is always really good to see it looks like a really big swing which whether it works or not is always always super entertaining uh, so definitely gonna have to go and go and see this one when it comes out we also got a trailer for the dlc for cyberpunk 2077 phantom liberty so this one was all cinematic full 
Idris Elba basically taking over what uh, what Keanu Reeves was doing for the original trailer for Cyberpunk 2077. It looks fantastic. Like I, the direct comparison I made with this was: Does CG Idris Elba look? better than cg harrison ford in indiana jones and the dial of destiny i know it's not a direct comparison you can make because i just help but is it a fully cg world when he's in this trailer um and harrison ford is around regular real regular aged people um but it just looks really spot on and like even though it's just the cinema cinematic it's a really good indication that this stuff is going to be gorgeous when it comes out and it's nice to see you know announcements of a cyberpunk 277 release that aren't steeped in controversy or worries about bugs and all of that so hopefully this one will come out and it will be a nice kind of fully fledged seamless release which i'm really looking forward to but the biggest trailer we got this week by far has to be for aquaman 2 we already got a teaser a few days before and then there were reports that came out that uh, director james wan does admit that having kind of teaser trailers or trailers for trailers is a silly way of going about things and then we very quickly got the actual trailer out which was great um what a bizarre situation to be in with this film like my biggest question going in and before i saw the trailer was is this going to be a completely different take than the original Aquaman movie to reflect that this whole dceu universe is coming to an end or is it going to be exactly the same old original recipe jason moore aquaman with something maybe tacked on at the end to basically show that the universe is finishing up based on this trailer my guess is it's the second one because it seems a lot like the original movie in i could nearly i don't i don't know the last time i watched the original aquaman movie but i think if you'd shown me this and said that it was footage from the original movie i may not have guessed that you were lying so it's it's similar enough kind of stuff like momoa is back kidman is back temwera morrison's back patrick wilson's back yaya abdul mateen is back and they're all having a grand old time uh black manta is now the main villain and he's got the power of the mystical ancient black trident which seems kind of super convenient because it also goes with his name and his whole outfit and it's not like he's got like a gaudy topaz trident that he's trying to trying to show off with his outfit or anything like that uh but he's causing big problems and aquaman is here to sort it out by teaming up with his half-brother patrick wilson's orm but here's the thing about it though like aquaman was such a huge movie like in terms of battle and set pieces and spectacle and i'm not necessarily sure i'm seeing anything in this trailer which ups the ante in that way like i know that aquaman is a dad now and he's actually the king so he's more about protecting his son and protecting his people more so than the original one which is about him essentially beating his destiny and maybe that's how they'll change the stakes a bit but there was no action set pieces in the trailer that seems super above and beyond the first movie now maybe they're saving stuff maybe they're maybe there's secret stuff that they can't show right now that will that will really kind of step things up but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out i mean one of the biggest questions about this trailer for a lot of people was are we going to see amber heard in it because there were a lot of rumors and speculation flying around that her role was being paired back following all of her legal dealings with johnny depp and then there were the studio was sitting back saying that no that isn't the case that it's going to be the same sized role and i think people came to this trailer with the same questions as they did with the loki 2 trailer and jonathan majors you know given all the stuff that's going on in the background 
were they going to remove him entirely or were they going to keep him in the mix and i think we got the answer because overall in the trailer i think there's one proper shot of amber heard as mera like i may have missed some other shots but if i did then they weren't very clear um and the one shot that i remember of her is that she seems to be trapped in a room and trying to break out of it which i mean as a metaphor is pretty on the nose as it feels like she's actually trying to break out into the trailer itself instead of being trapped in this one frame you know you have to ask in that situation were the people making the trailer trying to feed into the story and into the intrigue around amber heard you know maybe maybe not but it will be interesting to see like what role she plays in in the movie as a whole because it's still a big ensemble cast and it's with the first one it was really her and jason momoa basically going through all the adventure together but in this one it seems like it's going to be more jason momoa and patrick wilson so it'll be interesting to see what what her role ends up being we also found out this week in Marvel news that the Marvel VFX workers have unanimously voted to unionize, uh, which is good. Yeah, they should be unionized. Uh, this seems to be a positive knock-on effect from the current strikes that are going on. Um, the union that only works as Marvel's in-house VFX workers, uh, so it's not the larger Disney VFX group, but apparently uh, Disney's visual effects crews have filed for their own similar kind of election to decide whether or not to unionize them unionize themselves so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well um and it'll be interesting to see if they follow suit and this knock-on effect continues and it looks like the marvel vfx workers will engage in some kind of bargaining negotiations with their employer to figure out what their final contract's going to be so hopefully that all goes well for them good luck to you men and women who work in the marvel vfx industry so one of the last things I wanted to talk about is the book that I'm reading at the moment. So the last couple of weeks, Patrick and I talked about the sci-fi or fantasy novels that we're working through at the moment. At the moment, I'm working through R.J. Barker's The Bone Ships, which is the first book in the Tide Child trilogy. I'm about three quarters of the way through it now. And I think one of my biggest takeaways was I thought that I was going to get into this book immediately because it's a fantasy world where two warring nations build ships in their navy to fight against one another but the thing they use to build the ships is dragon bones and the dragons have all died out so it's essentially the story of this dwindling supply of dragon bones and how they're going to go about building new ships and what the kind of intrigues are underneath this world and, and how it goes into setting up this story and considering the fact that i've been watching one piece at the moment and i've been in a whole lot of different fantasy stuff that's based around the sea and ships and sea monsters which is stuff i absolutely love i'm surprised that when i started reading this book i found it really tricky to get into it and i think one of the reasons was it ends up doing one of my bigger pet hates with fantasy or sci-fi novels but it tends to be fantasy novels mainly where the world building gets in the way of the story at the start and that tends to happen when there's too much world building that's done too fast and you're ending up with paragraphs upon paragraphs of descriptions and context and exposition without anything really happening and it it tends to slow things down and it can make story kind of tricky to get into because what you really want at the start at least from my point of view is you know you want to get to know the characters and get to know what's going on with the story and kind of get things moving quickly but when you've got an explanation of how the sun's called a different thing and all the 
religions are different and how they have different names for all these different things in their world and they have different names for different days of the week and it's fine to introduce that you know over time but it doesn't all need to be in the first 10 pages or so but fortunately it kind of it kind of peters out after after the first few chapters when everything's established and it's a it's a solid read and i would recommend it just with the caveat that that's that's something you're going to come across uh, at the start of the book i think i at the start i didn't think i'd continue into the into the next two books in the tai child trilogy but now i think i will i will carry on and and hopefully it will it will follow more like the the latter half of the first book than the than the first half now we don't tend to give homework on barracks and blasters we don't believe in it we're not we're not big fans of it but what I did want to mention on this episode since I've left my own devices is if you are looking for a fantasy movie that maybe you haven't seen before, I want to recommend to you 1999's The 13th Warrior. If you've heard of this movie, I'm sure you have your own opinions on it, uh, but it is one of my, I think, all-time favourite fantasy movies it's based on a michael crichton novel called the eaters of the dead which is in itself like an alternate take on the beowulf mythos it's got antonio banderas in it and it's got a load of other kind of notable character actors uh, as well as uh, actually omar sharif um essentially antonio banderas's character is banished from baghdad to distant scandinavia where he meets a band of vikings who he gets involved with when they're called to aid a king who's having an issue with a big old band of monsters so as you can imagine lots of fun sword and sorcery ensues it was directed by john mctiernan uh, now don't put me put off by the fact that and i just found this up today that it apparently was the biggest box office bomb 1999 and it lost over a hundred million dollars but I think beyond that, it is a really solid fantasy story. It holds up pretty well. Well, you do have to consider that Antonio Banderas is uh, playing an Arabic character, which really doesn't hold up at all. But other than that, like the story is is really strong, I think, and it's it's all done with real sets, and it's it, there's very little kind of effects that don't hold up anymore. And if you're looking for something fun to watch over the next few days and you have kind of a fantasy fantasy hankering then i would recommend the 13th warrior so i think what i'll probably do is finish up the episode there i know it was only a short one this week but i cannot have fun uh, repartee and back and forth on my own unfortunately uh, but hopefully we'll have more of that next week when uh, it's myself and patrick back in the chairs together so thanks very much for dropping in and listening to this mini episode of Barrocks and Blasters. Check us out at Barrocks Blasters on YouTube and Instagram or visit us at barrocksblasters.com and we will be speaking to you again real soon. Bye now.